Get yourself ready to be quiet. Now a big breath in and out. Just really let's hear it. And now I invite you into our first time of silence this morning. A time of breath. I invite you to do a a four-breath rotation. You'll breathe in, one, out, one, in, two, out, two, three, and four, and begin again with one. And if you lose count, which is possible, even counting just to four, just begin again with one. There's space here for compassion to ourselves. And so as I chime us into this first meditation of breath, I leave you with words from the mystic Hafiz. Be kind to your sleeping heart. Take it out in the vast field of light and let it breathe. One of my favorite quotes from Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, which was sort of the first introduction of Zen to, um, to America from a, from a Japanese Zen lineage tradition. One of my favorite quotes says, essentially, sleeping is nice, but sleeping is not Zen. In fact, Sleep, the idea of kind of just relaxing ourselves right to sleep, is in some ways the opposite of what Buddhism teaches. You might know the story of, um, 
of Buddha right after he, he has his moment of great awareness, right after his kind of inspiration and realization, he's walking down the street, and a man who he doesn't know comes toward him and sees him, and, and he's, he's just glowing, you know, he's, he's emanating something amazing. And the man says, what are you? Are you a man? Or are you a god? What are you? And Buddha says, I am awake. Buddha means the awakened one. And the concept of being awake, awake to the world, awake to ourselves, is a core part of Buddhist practice and understanding. And in many ways, meditation really is the opposite of taking a nap. It's a moment of being more and more awake to the world. And that idea of of awakeness, of awareness, what sometimes we call mindfulness, is linked, I think, to the concept of acceptance, of welcoming what life brings, that particular kind of welcome we're exploring today. It's not a, a a, a passive thing, like being asleep, you know, oh yeah, there's life just kind of going by. It's an active, awake uh, participation in life, seeing truly what is in front of us. So the first step, I think, to welcoming life is noticing it, really. After we breathe, we notice. We become more able to see, to hear, to feel. So I'd like to invite you again into a second time of silence and of music. And I just want to acknowledge Johnny and Bailey and Susan who have worked so beautifully with my little dream of what we might be able to do today and and make it so much richer and deeper. And so as we go into silence here... I invite you to begin with four breaths. And then during the silence this time to just listen. Listen to your own breath. Listen for another's breath. Notice what you smell, what you hear, the sensation of air on your skin, hair on your neck. Notice the feeling of being in a room full of other people, all awake.
So noticing what is, welcoming what is around us, seems to me to be perfectly easy and lovely to do when life is rosy, when you are noticing, you know, that you're having a great day and it's beautiful weather outside. But who wants really to be one of those sort of insufferable people who just smile beatifically and say, well, what will be will be when life hands them despair and tragedy or crummy traffic. I remember a time when I actually actively avoided meditation because I didn't want to be not allowed to be angry or indignant or just annoyed. I think it was annoyed mostly that I thought I would miss. You know, sometimes the traffic's annoying. I don't know that I actually said that out loud to anyone because it would have been sort of embarrassing to admit. Um, I was starting seminary at the time, and you're not really supposed to say that you want to hang on. You're too attached to the personal feeling of annoyance <laughs> to, uh, to try to be calm. But I think what I've come to learn is that the times when I'm able to stop and be quiet don't take me away from the feelings of annoyance or anger or upset or indignation, righteous indignation. They let me sink into them more deeply. They make me aware of what they are and how they are in my life. And actually, it's often, I think, in tragedy in despair that we find we need mindfulness or awareness most. I've been reading a little bit in the book, in preparation for this platform, in the book When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron. And the book was lent to me years ago now, actually, by someone who had experienced a deep, deep loss in her life. And this was the book, one of the books that she had turned to that had made a difference for her, and so she passed it along to me. And Pema Chodron, the the author, speaks about her own coming to awareness, her own awakeness, which began when her marriage fell apart. When all that she thought that she had was stripped away, she couldn't hide from it, she couldn't run from it, it was just there, laid open, bare, and so she had to notice it, had to face it, the fear and the sadness that she had. Pema Chodron writes this, this very moment is the perfect teacher, and it's always with us. She says, this very moment is the perfect teacher and it's always with us, is really a most profound instruction. Just seeing what's going on, that's the teaching right there. We can be with what's happening and not dissociate. Awakeness is found in our pleasure and our pain, our confusion and our wisdom, available in each moment of our weird, unfathomable ordinary, everyday lives. Another way to describe this, I actually posted on Facebook, because if you're trying to do really um, in-depth, careful research about Buddhism, you should probably post on Facebook. Um, I did that a couple of weeks ago and asked people um, what they would say about welcome and acceptance in Buddhism. And someone wrote back with... um, 
with information about what I would kind of call like Buddhism 4.0 or 2.0, some level I'm definitely not at, which is the doctrine of one taste. How many people know that idea, one taste? One taste is the idea that since everything comes from and is connected to the kind of same energy, the same ground of being, the same universal experience, that then all things are equally perfect. And so our experience in any given moment, whether at its face it seems wonderful or terrible, frustrating or exciting, if we're truly in touch with the concept of one taste, we will, we will be in each moment just as we are in any other moment. See what I mean about a level I haven't reached yet, for sure. An easier way for me to connect with this idea came from another Facebook friend, the idea of consenting to our experience. I thought that was an interesting phrase. You know, our experience is what it is. There it is in front of us, whether we wanted it or not. So consenting to our experience means noticing it, being aware of it, being aware of the reality of that loss or that grief, that joy, that surprise. Leonard Noel, who's a um, psychologist wrote, acceptance means that we are able to gaze into the face of the present and say, you are in front of me, and I acknowledge you are here. It doesn't mean that the pain or the trouble or the surprise or excitement or joy isn't also there. In fact, it acknowledges its presence more richly. So I want to invite us into our third, and we only have four, so you're more than halfway done, our third time of, of quiet together. And this time I want to invite you to choose something that you're noticing right now, something that gives you pain or trouble or anxiety or just annoyance. I'll, I'll probably pick that. We all know that's the one I like best. It might be school forms that haven't been filled out or a to-do list. It might be a loss or a worry or a fear. Maybe one particular thing, maybe just an emotion, an experience. So just right now, just to yourself, give that a name, a word or two. How would you name that? And then in the silence that follows the chime, as you breathe in, I invite you to just name that to yourself. And as you breathe out, say to yourself, I see you. Naming what is, naming that you see it, that you notice it in you and around you right now.
I think one of the things that I, that I struggled with back in the day, you know, like last week, when I, um, when I didn't want to give up annoyance, um, <laughs> one of the things I struggled with was the idea that accepting or welcoming life, accepting and welcoming whatever is before us, leads to a kind of um, passiveness around change. You know, well, there it is just in front of me, and so. And I think instead, actually, really noticing and naming and welcoming the experience in front of us, whether it's a deep loss or a great joy, that acceptance and noticing is part of what allows us to change ourselves and it. Tara Brock wrote in True Refuge, yes, the practice of saying yes, relaxes our armoring against the present moment and allows us to meet life's challenges with a more open heart. It's about, I think, Seeing what is, accepting what is, even if we can, achieving that one taste idea allows us to know at the same time that we never really know what life will bring next. Grounded in the present moment, aware of and welcoming the present moment enables a kind of openness to what the next moment might bring. There's a Taoist story that I've loved for a long time that I'd love to share with you. It's a story of an old farmer who had worked in the fields for many, many years. Of course, he used a horse to work in the fields, and one day his horse ran away. And so his neighbors heard the news that the horse had run away, and and they ran over, as you would if you care about someone, of course, and they said, oh, what bad luck to have your horse run away, I'm so sorry. And the farmer replied, maybe. Well, the next morning, the horse returned to the farm and brought with him three wild horses so that the farmer now had four horses to work on his farm. And the neighbors came by, as you would, and said, Oh, that's wonderful luck. You have four horses now. You must be so happy. This is fantastic. And the farmer said, maybe. The next day, the farmer's son, his one son, his pride and joy was riding one of those new wild horses, trying to tame the horse so that it could be workable on the farm. And the horse bucked and the son fell and broke his leg. And the neighbors came by and expressed their condolences, how sorry they were, what bad luck. And the farmer said, maybe. The next day, military officials came to the village and said, we're going to war and we need one man from every family. We need your first son, and if it's your only son, it doesn't matter As long as he is able-bodied and can stand, he needs to fight. Seeing that the farmer's son's leg was broken, they passed that family by.
And the neighbors came to congratulate the farmer on his good, good luck. And he said, maybe. I love that story because it reminds me that the present moment is never the moment before and it's never the moment to come. And we're never sure what the next one will be. That even as we accept and welcome and notice the present moment, even as we accept and notice and welcome what life has in front of us right now, right here, we acknowledge that we don't know what life will bring next. How we or our families or our world will be transformed. At the same time, our noticing, our acceptance and welcoming increases, I think, our ability to be part of that transformation because it allows us to see the current reality clearly. So for our final time of quiet together, I want to invite you to to try a kind of meditation we've done before together called Tonglen meditation coming out of the Buddhist tradition. Tonglen meditation invites us and our breath into the transformation the transformative process, the transforming process. So I want to invite you to name that thing that you were feeling, that thing that you noticed before. As you breathe in, you'll name that to yourself. And it may have shifted over your quiet. So name whatever it is right now. And as you breathe out, Imagine for a moment how you want that thing transformed. What might you wish? Not that you can necessarily bring it, not that it will necessarily come to pass, but what might you wish? Would you give yourself peace or joy, hope or calm? As you breathe out, name what it is you wish to give to yourself. And so we'll be quiet again, grounded in what is on the in-breath and what we give to ourselves as we breathe out.
Thank you for being awake with me this morning. 